Hello, welcome once again to our Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Quiet, I'm watching Westworld. The name oh, is sorry. Mike. Yes, this Mike? is Mike. Mike, how are you know. doing? Good, good. I know you were doing that a couple of couple of days ago where on facebook you you wrote that but you right were, well i was just double re-watching a particular scene and i i think i caught something that i hadn't caught before but um don't tell me it was one of the nude scenes of one of the hot chicks no 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 no, no that's the scene you rewatch over and over again phil is that a problem eric <laughs> <laughs> let's, move on. let's move on uh, again again phil you'll love that opening to nocturnal creatures Oh yeah, you mentioned uh, um, it had an interesting opening. Yeah, so I'll have to check it out. I, I haven't uh, been able to get to the theaters. This, this weekend was was crazy. So it's that time of year, indeed. And uh, let's do a couple of house cleaning things before we get into our uh, discussion. And uh, Eric, you do one, two, three, four, four podcasts. Yes, but after tonight, I will be down to two for a while. So this is the last time I'm going to list all four. Stop making me do this. All right, here we go. <laughs> one of them is the Parent Podcast. To this one, Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Uh, we have two spinoff podcasts of that, one of which is this one, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, the Westworld Podcast. The other one is... You Know Nothing Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast that we record while that show is on the air, which will be what... June? 25 weeks. 25 weeks from now. I forgot to um, put my post, uh, my weekly post with a uh, picture of Sophie Turner because I got um, and, too and busy. we all missed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's all, and there, there may only be 17 episodes of Game of Thrones podcast left. That's right. That's right. Wow. So you can catch that once that comes back on the air. Um, in the meantime, I do a podcast of my own. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and the iTunes Store. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, that usually comes out on what, Mondays, Eric? Um, I usually get it posted on Sunday, Monday, if something goes wrong. Very good. All right. And, uh, Mike, you do one, two, three podcasts and have a blog? I do those three podcasts that Eric just mentioned, except, of course, for Scansity, which is him and Dan, if he even really exists. Um, and I also do – and well, the blog is Unnatural Selections, uh, www.unnaturalselections.com. Excellent. And that discusses uh, genre stuff, right? Genre? Yes. Yes, very good, very good. And uh, for uh, this podcast here, a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, it's www.darkdiscussions.com is where you can uh, find us on the web. Uh, we have uh, that page for all three of uh, the podcasts that Eric mentioned that uh, are dark discussions and it's two underlings, which is uh, this one and the You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. You can um, also find us on Stitcher and iTunes and at the bottom of every page of darkdiscussions.com are links to all those things, including the, the email, darkdiscussions at com and... Um, uh, Twitter and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, Mike, uh, people can do something on iTunes? Uh, if they go to iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast streaming service uh, and you look up Dark Discussions for or 
in this case, uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, you can leave us a review. And if you leave us a review, it uh, bumps us up in the ratings. It allows people to find us more easily if they're looking for, say, a Westworld podcast. Uh, then we're more likely to appear near the top of the page. More people can find us. More people can hear us. And we become more popular. We can share more ideas. And eventually we can take over the world. Very good. Very good. Uh, let's see. Um, any general Westworld news anybody wanted to bring up? Nope. Alright. Uh, not particularly. I do know that um, if people have not been going to the website, and I, I haven't really, honest, although I keep getting updates, that I guess if you go to the website, there was uh, during the finale airing and for about a 24 hours afterwards, like the whole thing had us sort of crashed and there were some Easter eggs in there for people who were looking for it, but I didn't get a chance to see them and I haven't had time really to track down what they were about maybe what's upcoming in the future. Yeah, I heard they, they threw out some little things that uh, answer questions about what happened in this episode, I mean this season, as well as what may happen. And so you're referring to, uh, what's the website, westworld.com? Yes. Yeah, and that's um, the official page for HBO's television show based off of uh, Michael Crichton's original uh, works. Um, I prefer to rely on rampant speculation fueled by my own fevered brain. That's all right. That's yeah. That, that that's gotten you far. <laughs> hey, I got both podcasts and you, bitch. That's true. He does. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> uh, and, he's, now, and he's weirdly proud of that. Yes, 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 he is. And he should be proud. He's, uh, he's, he's a good man. He's a good man. Eric, you're a good man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, now, uh, the season somebody appreciates me. Of course, absolutely. Uh, the season finale of uh, a Westworld uh, television show on HBO was The Bicameral Mind, episode 10, and it aired on December 4th, and it had 2.24 million American viewers during the hour the show was on, whether they watched it directly live or they did a HBO Now, HBO Go uh, during that hour. So that was the highest rated episode of this series. Uh, anybody who joined and watched it late for some reason just skipped all nine and decided to watch the last episode, they probably had a hell of a ride because it was a very exciting episode and one of the better episodes of the, the season. Um, so with that being the, the most highly watched, the lowest episode was, uh, episode, uh, four? Nope. Number five. Okay. Not, maybe because people didn't like for episode four and they didn't bother coming back. I don't know. Uh, 1.49 uh, viewers for that episode. Um, and oddly, uh, not oddly, I guess, but uh, Neil Marshall's episode drew 2.1, uh, probably because folks knew who Neil Marshall was. And uh, and yet the the two around it, Two and four only got 1.5 and 1.7. And yet most of us, or the three of us anyway, thought episode three may have been the weakest episode of the series. Uh, So hopefully... Yeah, go on, Mike. Yeah, I think... And this is not going out on too too far of a limb here, but I think, um, you know, you look at a show like Game of Thrones, or for that matter, The Walking Dead, they both uh, picked up viewers up through uh, season after season after season. And... A lot of that's because people pick it up on streaming 
afterwards. And I have a feeling, based on the word of mouth of the of this final episode, you're going to see a, a much bigger jump in ratings when season two comes by. Uh, simply because people are, eh, I don't want to watch it. It's all a mystery. What if it sucks? They're never going to answer the questions, and they get all you know whiny and bitchy like that. And now that most of the answers have been forthcoming, uh, and in a way that most people I think will find satisfying, uh, or you know, even if they haven't been watching it, I think word of mouth will help dramatically, and you'll get a lot more people tuning in at the start of the second season. Yeah, I agree with that, Mike. Uh, especially uh, when the first three episodes were first reviewed by critics. Uh, you know, they they released the first couple of episodes for critics to review before the season even started. And uh, generally, they got favorable reviews, but only around seventy six percent, maybe or something like that. It was it wasn't uh, as highly anticipated. It wasn't as highly rated as it was anticipated to be. Uh, however, by the end of the season, when the reviewers were able to watch all 10 episodes, uh, it re- went all the way up to 89% for the entire season. Um, and so I think uh, based off of the word of mouth, based off of how the, the series was pr- pretty damn good, I think we all would agree with that. I could see people maybe... Um, sh- Binge watching it in the future, maybe even you know the week before season two starts in 2018. And I agree, it probably will have a, a larger fan base, especially since um, it it um, did get renewed in the sense that people now say, "Oh, it is a good show." I guess I should have watched it rather than you know, like we when we first were discussing to do this. <laughs> this podcast we weren't even sure if we wanted to do it because what happens if the show sucked after three episodes and we just you know and it could have been a lemon we you know you don't know so um, it would have been a really shitty 12 weeks indeed indeed i, I do i do want you know what you, you asked about westworld news or two things i did forget one is that the complete soundtrack uh is available for downloading and for purchase uh, I know I got it off. Through, I got it through Amazon, but I imagine it's through a lot of other outlets as well, like iTunes and, and whatnot. Did you, uh, buy, and, did you download it or did you buy a disc? Uh, I think right now it's only for streaming, so I just bought it as a download. And it really is a very good score. Um, not just you know the the things that stick out obviously are the main theme, the Sweetwater theme that starts off every morning at the first couple of episodes, and then the uh, player piano versions of pop tunes like. House of the Rising Sun or uh, Black Hole Sun. But do they have the orchestral arrangement of Painted Black? Yes, they do. Oh, sweet. I might pick that up then. So it is, and, and that's also, you know, really pretty awesome. Um, but the rest of the music in the in the show really is very, very solid. Uh, and I think it's something like 22 tracks. There's a lot. Nice. And uh, how, much, how much is that in uh, U.S. Uh, currency? I don't remember. It was not inex- it was not expensive. I think it was maybe ten bucks. Okay. Thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Amazon, is that they, I guess they have a new deal with HBO, so Westworld is now streaming. If you have Amazon Prime, I'm guessing. Uh, it's what says it, there's the HBO channel on Amazon, so you can use it to stream the episodes. I don't know if you have to pay for it or not. Okay, so, so uh, that's, that's okay. So if you, you can get a 30 day free trial. All right, so here's how it works. If you want to pay fourteen ninety nine a month, you can watch Amazon through uh, HBO through the Amazon apps. So if you happen to have like an Amazon Fire Stick, 
or something along those lines or an Amazon app on your, your HBO. I, mean, I don't know why you would pay for HBO through Amazon instead of just getting an HBO now. But you can get a free 30-day trial uh, of the HBO streaming on Amazon and watch Westworld several times in those 30 days and then not bother to renew. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so that's that's good. So there's another option where folks can uh, watch uh, Westworld uh, uh, from uh, the internet, HBO.com, uh, to the apps, HBO Go, HBO Now, and then now you can do it through Amazon Prime as well. So, uh, of course, and, if you uh, haven't seen Westworld by now, I don't know why you're listening to the last episode of this podcast. Also, I'm, I'm assuming that Amazon Prime HBO station also includes Game of Thrones and the movies and all that includes, other stuff. I think it includes just about everything that HBO yeah. offers. Yeah. So it's Which, basically doing, I think, HBO Now through Amazon. Again, I don't understand the point of it, but... Right. Okay. Well, you know what it is? It's I, I know I know how why Mike because if you have like a VCR, not a VCR, there's no such thing anymore. <laughs> uh, a, a, a blue a Blu-ray or a smart TV, a lot of those have apps, but they don't have um, specific apps like HBO. But they always have like Netflix and Hulu and, and Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. So you, if that's probably the reason why it would be good to go through Amazon if you just have a smart TV and you don't have um, right. A Chrome or a Amazon Prime or what or an Xbox or whatever, um, so that that makes sense. Um, now uh, that's that's good news. Uh, so let me think here. Um, I guess we we can uh, discuss a lot of things. What we liked about the, the season, things that we missed, things that we never really talked about. Never mind our favorite character, our favorite episode, all that stuff too. And we can also discuss. I, I guess the character we least like, I think we all will probably agree with, with the same one. But, um, Mike, you, you just re-binge-watched the whole season. Uh, I've actually only re-binge-watched the first seven episodes. I, didn't, I ran out of time to get uh, the last three in. Okay. But, and it really does just make a big difference having gone through the whole thing, knowing what Ford's plan is, and there's a lot of stuff that makes so much more sense when – you have all the pieces there, and I, you know. I said I really wasn't doing a whole lot of puzzle solving through this, right? Um, but yeah, you start picking up certain things, and even stuff like you know, talking about uh, the voices in their head, and you see references to Arnold before season three that we didn't pick up on because we didn't know who Arnold was, right? Um, so I think the I think the milk robot. Remember the guy yeah. in the very first episode goes you know nuts drinking milk. Yes. Um, I think he may have dropped Arnold's name, but he was at that point stark raving mad, so who was paying attention to what he was saying? Uh, so little things like that. and But like the, the number of robots talking about of the host talking about the, the voice in their head that we assumed was Arnold's voice programmed, and we were sort of led to think in a fairly cliched manner that like Arnold would still be alive at the center of the maze, or it would be Robot Arnold that would be doing And in fact, it was their own voice talking to them, and that's the whole point of the bicameral mind, is that people believe that it was the voice of God talking to them when it was actually their own inner voice, and that's sort of led to help the development of consciousness. And it kind of goes back to the idea that that's the voice that um, Dolores has been hearing. There's a line uh, in, I think it's episode five, I think, where it's the scene where Ford has the sit-down conversation with Dolores. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he asks her, tell me when in this new story you're creating, do you see yourself as the hero or the villain? Right. And, you know, we see in the final episode, of course, that Ford basically outs Dolores as the villain of his new story. Of course, right. I don't know. I don't know how literally he's being in that. Now, uh, Mike, let me ask this. Was that the same scene where Ford asks, you wouldn't be lying to me, would you, Dolores? I think so. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. And then when he leaves, she has uh, the Arnold voice speak to her, um, which could mean two things now because it's definitely not the ghost in the machine as we originally thought. It is either Ford uh, himself because we, we kind of discover that the Arnold voice was Ford all along, but it also could mean that her consciousness is already talking to herself. You know, right. I, I, well, I think that's, I think that's it. And I think that's one of the things we're getting is that it was, it was their inner voices all along that it wasn't Arnold just as, you know, the, the theory is that early man believed the voice in their own head, which was our own voice speaking to us, our own thoughts, might have believed it was God, they believe that it's Arnold. Right. But we also discover, though, at the end, that some of those Arnold voices were actually Ford all along, right? Because we, when they do the, the reveal in episode 10, Arnold's voice turns to Ford's voice and then turns to Dolores' voice also. So I don't know if that was just a metaphorical change or if it was actually um, partially forward too that, that was communicating um, as Arnold to to a couple of the hosts. Uh, Ford picked up Ford picked up the torch where right. Arnold had left off uh, and and made it his own life's goal to complete Arnold's work of giving the host consciousness. Right. And I think and then eventually to have it the torch passed to the, the robots themselves, to the hosts themselves. Right. And guided by their own inner thought. And it becomes apparent to me that it, I'm not all that clear, like, who is and who isn't aware at this point. So, for instance, Maeve wakes up. Maeve is aware. And no, Dolores I know. Ma- no, but, but Maeve wakes up um, Hector and Armistice. Right. I don't know if they're aware, though. But or are they self Right, just- Exactly. Or if they're just following orders, exactly. So they're they're two that I'm not sure where they are on this. I think I think we are kind of clear on 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 it being Armistice and not Armistice, Maeve and Dolores, right, right, right. And, and even Maeve only at the moment she decides to get off the train because before that, as Bernard told her, it looks like even though you think you're controlling your own thoughts you were actually programmed to get on the train and leave. Mm-hmm. So it's it's only literally the last minute of her scene that she's, you can argue, she's conscious, right? Truly conscious, where she's making her own right. decisions. And Dolores yeah. certainly is, because he freed her at, at the end, for sure. I believe right now, at the end of season one, um, Maeve and Dolores are the only ones who have already achieved consciousness. I believe everything has been put in place for all the other hosts to achieve consciousness, but they need to go through the process, uh, and not all of them will make it. Some of them will go insane. 
I think well, I think those are the ones that they locked up, right? Those are the ones that were in the cooler. Well, that all ended up being and, outed. Yeah, and now they're not in the cooler anymore. So we'll see what happens. There, there's yeah. two others of significance uh, that one is obviously easy to forget because he wasn't really part of the the Westworld um, storylines. But Bernard, I think he's probably conscious. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. And, yeah. And then I'm thinking Teddy may be as well, but we're not a hundred percent sure yet, but it seems like if he he's may. not there yet, he's, he's approaching. Right. Well, see, this is why I, I was, what, what I was watching at the beginning, uh, is <laughs> I, I was trying to rewatch to see a particular line. Couldn't remember what the line was that, that, that Ford had said, but I'm watching, so I'm rewatching the scene with Ford and Bernard and Teresa in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I just, just to, to remind myself, whatever the line was, I wanted to pick up from Ford. And um, he tells Ford, "That's a, you know, that's enough, Bernard." And Bernard shuts down. But Bernard wakes up in the middle of that conversation. Okay. And, and you, you and you see him actively respond, like listening and processing what's being said. Without having been told to wake up, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that was simply an artistic choice on the part of the the writers, directors, actor, or was that a clue uh, to his maybe being more in, more independent? Yeah. Well, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking based off of um, what Ford says to Bernard before and after where he says, I've had to wipe out your memory a few times to get rid of these terrible memories, et cetera, et cetera. I'm thinking Bernard had already probably was popping off to consciousness um, already. And I probably, I'm thinking intentionally by Ford, because since he worked directly with Bernard, Mm -hmm. and Bernard also worked with humans as if he was a human himself, I think Ford was allowing him uh, off screen or or even before the series started to already have consciousness numerous times and even figure out that he's a robot and then Ford just kept on rolling him back when it came to the point where it affected his ability to do the job that he was originally made to do. Well, so, yeah, and he may not have achieved consciousness each time. He may have gone insane a few times too. True, true. Uh, because there was that one time, remember, when he started to – uh, go all buggy, and uh, Ford just said that that's enough now, Bernard, and and he calmed down. Um, but if that had happened while Ford hadn't been there, he would have gone off the rails. Right. But another good example too, uh, Eric, is uh, when Meve discovered that she was a robot, and and she starts saying things, and then it's popping up on the screen as she's saying, and she starts going insane, and yeah. then it, and then she has a fail-safe that just shuts her down, probably intentionally made by Ford, because we're, we're as we've pretty much now believe, Ford pretty much was even controlling Meeve, even though they never had interactions together, really. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe he set up a, a specific uh, thing on her, too, to, to shut down so she wouldn't go insane before it Could happened. Be. Yeah. That's my guess. Um... Mike, what about your point? Oh, go on, Eric. Yeah, I was just going to say, I doubt they're going to circle back around to explain it fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they, they really need to. And, and honestly, um, I don't. It doesn't really add to the story if they, they did. It would just take time up. And plus, we can always go back and rewatch and binge like Mike is, and see these things now. 
uh, like Mike, you said it perfectly, which is now that we know Ford was behind the whole thing right from the beginning, all the, th- the things we were questioning prior, even the lame thing of adding Arnold when, you know, we all like rolled our eyes when they said, oh my God, they're bringing this Arnold thing in when, when, uh, they didn't introduce it until episode three or four. And it's like, uh oh, lame. And yet all these things now start falling into place and make more sense now that you know that it's Ford. And based off of your experience of rewatching the first seven episodes, Mike, is that true, you think? Yeah, I think there's there, there will be a lot to pick up, um, especially earlier on. I think, uh, you know, just little things like what, when you know now that the man in black is William or William is the man in black, and you, and you see his first exchange with Dolores in the first episode. Um, yep. you know, or when you see him first pick up the can of milk, uh, which of course then in the, in the first episode he has the night with her, maybe, or, you know, rapes her or does whatever he does to her in the barn. And then, uh, the next day, you know, she's doing her routine and the, the can rolls off and Teddy's been, been waylaid by some guests. Yep. And the man in black is there to pick up the can. Now that obviously has a lot more resonance when you know the story of William. Right? right. That and but it also um you know, he says, I can't spend time with you, I've got to go do other things. But he talks about how, you know, things used to be different with them. Just little things like that, um, that he makes. Um that that hint at the relationship that we now know existed, that we weren't aware existed at the time. Um, the idea that when they first mentioned the reveries, they don't say that Ford put them in. They say Ford must have put them in, meaning that they were assuming Ford put them in at the be- in the beginning of the first episode. Yep. Um, when I think we now find out that that was all part of Arnold's programming. Well, right. it was Arnold's that, programming. I mean, Ford did put it in, yeah, put, for, or, or instructed Bernard to. But the right. original, the, the actual coding was done by Arnold back in the day. Right, and then, but also, and I don't know if you remembered this, but I'd forgotten it, was the idea that specifically the reveries were created by ties to their memories. Oh, yeah, I yeah, I did not forget that. Okay, so that I had forgotten, and that therefore makes more sense to why the reveries were a, if not a cause, but then at least a symptom of what's going to cause their awakening. Right. And that is curious, too, because when they're linked to the memories... That also includes the deleted memories too, which right. uh, I mean, yeah, me and Eric discussed earlier in the in uh, our review season uh, in Bullets, Bartles, and Bots how when you delete things from a computer, what it does, it just deletes the pointer. It doesn't actually delete the files. So uh, unless you use uh, what Hillary Clinton used. So the thing is, is that when they delete the memories here. They're still there, so the reveries probably picked up these memories, even if the pointer didn't have them uh, as part of the you know the main program or, or the main uh, consciousness at that moment. And I think, yeah, go on, Eric. No, I was just going to say you're absolutely right, and that was actually part of Arnold's plan to uh, to try and get them to achieve consciousness. Right, and since he's seen this earlier, I mean, he saw it thirty years, thirty seven years, or whatever it was prior, he knew. By adding that reveries back, he knew it was going to happen again, and um, and then of course he just helped it along 
uh, further and quicker than than I think um, the unintentional consequences when it happened 37 years ago with Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, well, I'm just looking. Yeah, two other lines. I'm looking at some of the stuff I wrote. There's a line um, when they, I think it's when they're talking about the reveries. Perhaps uh, is a line like, uh, "Yeah, little things make the guests fall in love with them." And then there's a later line that, again, when they're talking about the park, they, I'm talking about the guests, the guests come back for something they've fallen in love with. And of course, we know that to one degree or another that it's, that Dolores is part of the reason why the man in black keeps returning to the park. Right. 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 Was that he felt that he fell in love with Dolores. So, I mean, these aren't all, you know, huge, uh, revelations and big clues. Some of it's just, uh, again, you get this sort of, um, Echo, right, and uh, a, a rhyming in the season, right, a rhythm of, of bringing up the same themes again and again, and you understand how they apply better once you know every character's story. Right, right, and of course, um, when when someone like the Man in Black or William, if you prefer, um, falls in love with in this case, a robot rather than a scenario or or the land or whatever. So when he comes back, Dolores is completely different because she's just reset in her loop. And so everything that he happened to um, experience with Dolores in her eyes doesn't even exist anymore. And obviously that, um, especially someone that probably has a, a, a psych psyche like like William that that can break a person I guess because or at least it, it did in this case because I mean he becomes the man in black to the point where he becomes obsessive with everything related to the park um, yes yeah go on yeah no just agree now I, I I hate to bring this up because um, I can't stand talking about gender or um, racial politics. Um, when it pops up on our Facebook group page, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook page. But I did read one thing, uh, one article about uh, Westworld and the season finale and then the whole season where they're trying to say that William was a typical version of the white privileged male. And I don't, I don't know if, if either you wanted to comment on that or just we can ignore it and, and move on. But I, I thought I'd just bring it up because I did at least see one person uh, on online in in an article. I forget what what um, site, but it was it was an important site. It wasn't just you know Joe's blog uh, wrote something like that. Well, I don't necessarily think the creators of the show had that in there on purpose, but I can certainly see how someone would have seen it. Yeah, no, I, I could too, um, and especially if you're meaning the writer, already has certain um, issues that are important to them, whether it's um, uh, inequality between uh, groups of people or whatnot, they would most certainly um, pick up or at least turn something that wasn't necessarily intended by the writers or the creators of the show into something that symbolically meant something important to them, which is inequality for the races. However, I looked at William, since maybe it's because I don't look at it, uh, those things aren't necessarily something I want to 
focus on because they're somewhat depressing. But I, I looked at it more interesting as a every man scenario. You know, you know the 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 everyday man hero that we see in books like um, Sound and the Fury or Catching the Rye, where it's just a sad story of a person who got beaten down by what he had hoped or loved or thought the world was and became a shallow, um, empty shell of what he once was. Um, that's what I got out of it. Um, what, what, did, what did you think, Mike? Because Eric most certainly thought it could be thought that way, and I do too. However, I saw it a different way. What, how did you think they were attending, or how did you interpret it? Well, I, I, I mean, personally, I get tired of... I like having a diverse cast, meaning... Um, you know something that is is realistic. Now, admit obviously, look, I'm a, a I am a privileged white male by most measures, so I'm not going to argue that. Um, but I've always felt bad for you know actors and actresses who don't get jobs because all the jobs are going to a particular age group and demographic, right? And at least with males, they're far less likely to be uh, written out of story or. or stop getting phone calls just because they turned a certain age where a lot of actresses, once they that first wrinkle shows up, they're done until they're ready for grandma roles. Um, and so that's always been, to me, a very unfair aspect of the casting system in Hollywood uh, that people feel the need to do something like put Keanu... What was that movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago? Uh, 47 Ronin or something like that? Okay. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. But it was a it was a film that was set in Japanese history, and they decided they had to stick Keanu Reeves in there, sort of like putting Bo- Tom Bo- Cruise in the list. Booze, by the way, Keanu Reeves is part Asian, but right? But it was still, but it was still, it was it was sort of in putting this in there in the legend. It's sort of like if somebody in Japan was making the uh, the Johnny Appleseed story and had to put a Japanese star in there just so they were to be a Japanese character for the audience to identify with. Um, yeah, so it just, I find that bothersome, but I am so sick of reading reviews about movies that have to start by addressing the diversity of the cast. And I can't remember the last time I've seen a review that didn't bring up the diversity of the cast, you know, because that is something I like to see, but it does my, my enjoyment of the film doesn't hinge on it, if that makes any sense. So I think they have a good diverse cast here. My enjoyment of the film is, is irrelevant. I think Thandie Newton, I don't care that it's a black woman who's doing it. She is fantastic in the role. Actually, actually, she's biracial. Whatever. <laughs> but and that's my point. Yep. So, and that's kind of uh, my point. So, so that but, said, okay, that ahead. said, okay, you have William is a wealthy white male. How much is a well? He starts out as a wealthy white male of privilege. I'm not sure because we don't really know his background before we meet him in the story. And I know plenty of white males who have made uh, success of themselves who did not start as white males of privilege. Um, certainly Logan, you get that feeling, right? Logan is the guy from the wealthy family. And, but I, it wouldn't shock me if that's well, part of the message there. And and when and when you stop to think about it, the whole thing um, it could be a representation of the one percent, uh, you know, because only the rich people can afford to come to the park and they're in control of everything and then can do what they want to the ninety nine percent that are the robots. 
Right. Well, we also don't know. I mean, it's set in the future. Who knows what the inflation is? Maybe $40,000 a day is minimum wage. We don't know. Well, you understand the point I'm making. Stop yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's enough uh, hints throughout the the show, specifically in the conversation with Logan and, and William, that, you know, this is an expensive thing and only wealthy folk uh, mm. basically go. Right, and I like I for what I we've talked about uh, Disney World on and off the the podcast before, but I've lamented the fact that you know You're not the a lot cost, of people there. Well, there's that uh, they frown on that for some reason, but the cost to go to Disney World is so high for so many families, and yet there's this sort of uh, cultural mindset that 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 this is where Americans must make their pilgrimage at least once in their life. You know, like, this is our Mecca. We've got to go to Disney World at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, I, as a capitalist, I can't fault them because the place is packed. No matter what price they set, people pay it. But anyway, um, there are clearly things. I think Dolores, you know, this is an empowerment story. And you see Dolores start out with, you know, as the damsel in distress and you hear her changing her accent depending on where she is in the film and what her role in the film in the series and what timeline she's in uh who she's talking to you know if she's being deprogrammed and she has that uh i do declare that kind of uh on the, the, on the, the helpless the, the, the southern the helpless bell damsel, the southern bell on the, the helpless damsel in distress yep. and you know the idea that she wants to be and I don't think that when they write her like that, I don't think she's an illegitimate character. I think there is material there, but she wants to be something more, right? She says, I want to write my own story. And of course, then, and I think that's in episode five, midway through the season, where she finally gets her power trousers. Yep. You know, and they switch that out. It doesn't mean that Dolores as the damsel in distress was an illegitimate character, but it's again giving her. I, I will, I will say one ironic thing, Mike, if I can interject, is when she becomes. Uh, the powerful being, even if it's evil, depending on your perspective, I guess. Uh, well, I'll say evil because she's killing people. Um, she's she tur- she's wearing her original dress, not the trousers, which was kind of interesting. I thought. Again, okay, yeah, it, it, but that's that's an interesting yeah. thing symbolically, and I wonder if that's how intentional that was on the part of the the, writers. Of the screenwriters. And yeah. I have questions about Dolores. Right, so that I haven't rewatched the finale, so I don't know if it was made clear in that. But are Dolores and Wyatt one? Meaning, are, are their programs yes. combined, or yes. are they Wyatt two? Why is Dolores and Dolores is Wyatt? Yes, yes. Okay, not, it's not a Jekyll and Hyde thing where they're both programs are in the same body. Well, oh. kind of. Uh, uh, Ford uploaded the Wyatt scenario into Dolores. Right. So right. whether whether they're it's whether we won't know until season two if it's a split personality or if they were just merged. That's a good question, Mike. I don't know, but right, because the, if they were because well if they were merged, then that's you still get this one way or another. But are you going to have her struggle with who she is because if she has both because if she has both Dolores the heroine, well, and Wyatt the villain, then she honestly, still then she has as part of her both choices to make right. Then she has. You can argue some aspect of free will because she has the choice of both good and evil if they're both in the same. I was going to say, honestly, whether it's Wyatt or, or whatever, I think you would have that with anybody who's achieving consciousness. There are going to be those questions. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's an excellent point. And, and Mike, to be honest, uh, a couple of things uh, to go back to of Dolores and then Logan is that uh, Dolores, um, what 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 it could be is is that she's just evil until she becomes free. I mean, for example, uh, the, the founding fathers of the U.S. of A. who rebelled against the the Brits. You know, the Brits looked at us as evil. Like, oh, my God, who the hell do they think they are? And then the moment they kicked out the Brits, they just said, okay, now just leave us alone and, you know, we'll live in peace. So maybe maybe she's that type of of rebel and not a true oh, mass murderer. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to find out. That's 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 true. That's a good point, Eric. But I, I'm willing to bet she just off at least half a dozen people. But, but yeah, sometimes you have to do that. The, the, the American founding fathers had to offer a half a dozen people too, right? And, well, and was, okay, was, I get your point. Yeah, see, that, that's yeah. all I meant. But, um, you know, it's, well, I mean, it's not an entirely apt description, but I don't think the American founding fathers ever had to go through what Dolores has had to go through as a host. Well, I don't, I, well, it depends on your perspective. I mean, some of them felt felt that they were being suppressed, you know, to the taxes well, and all that. they were being dragged off and raped by Ed Harris. <laughs> Well, we, we also we also have uh, you know you can use that about any group of people. We, we know, if you want to use something rather than U.S. versus the British well, and the founders, no, 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 you can use that. You can use really? the African nations being you know colonized by or you know actually I, or the Native Americans going there. I, I just think that should be an affirmation that everybody uses in their daily life when something bad happens. Just at least I wasn't dragged off and raped by Ed Harris. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, now, the other thing is, is that Logan being the white privileged, fra- uh, I actually see that point, and I could see most people thinking that. But you know, we've seen enough horror films doing the Dark Discussions podcast. You know, the slasher films where you have the the um, the inter biracial, interracial, intergender. What the victim. hell are you saying? The victims, the the victims, they're they're mixed, you know, woman, blacks, whites, Caucasians, okay. men, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, but the final girl is always a white girl. But but most of them are are, are all like frat boys or, frat, or sorority chicks, and they're partying. They all feel like they're privileged that you know life isn't you know they're not going to die because they're only eighteen or twenty two. You know, they're far away from death. On and on and on. And that's how I looked at Logan, even though he obviously he came from a wealthy family and is he, you know, had a father that was filthy rich. I looked at him more as a frat boy and not necessarily the white privileged uh, dirtbag. Well, but you could argue that you you can't be a frat boy if there isn't. uh, Well, I want to say if you don't have an an aspect of white. Privilege there. I'm not going to say no, dirtbag no, no, necessarily. Uh, no, no, Mike, that's not my point. My point was is based off of all the slasher films I've seen, where the black guy and the white guy are both, um, you know, they think they're privileged folks in those movies. You know, I mean, whether it's just intentional to to have a biracial. The black cast. guys don't live enough, well, live long enough to get a good handle on their character. I, 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 hang on, I, hang on. I, I, I want to just talk seriously here, Mike. I know that's funny and all that, but my point is is if I looked at all those slasher films, the black guy and the white guy are both dirtbags in that film. They're both Logans. And so when I was watching Westworld, I looked at it more as Logan is just one of those type of people, not as a white privileged scumbag. Well, it's, you know, I'll go back to, uh, you know, real world 
when you had the O.J. Simpson trial and people talked about, oh, finally there's justice for a black man, the people who, the, who celebrated O.J. getting off. And it's like it was ne- – and it's not an issue of, of, of race. It was an issue of more than anything – uh, of money, right? And OJ was, was, was filthy rich. That's the reason he got off. You know, yeah, it's, that's right. and, and, and that is, we get distracted a lot by race and a lot of it's really class. And unfortunately in the, in our country, you still have a disproportionate, uh, amount of people of ethnic minorities in the lower class. And that's going to compound the problem. Mike, um, and that, everything you just said there sums up how I thought when I read this article, where they said William was a white privileged person, I felt that it was exactly what you just said instead, which is it was really uh, a guy that happened to be wealthy rather than because he was Caucasian. Well, but again, I think uh, this is live and die by identity politics. We've, and, and I'm just, I am like you kind of sick of identity politics. Uh, was he white? Yes. Was he privileged? Yes. Is that what made him an asshole? Not really. Um, it, it gave him an opportunity to be a particular type of asshole. Right, right. Um, and, and you could actually argue that he became an asshole because he was bamboozled by the park. But let me ask you a quick. Why was Ed Harris cast as the man in black? Uh, probably because they were going after someone to play the Yul Brenner role or someone who would have an echo of the Yul Brenner character. Because everybody – and this is part of it. I realize this. Uh, too, when I rewatched the first episode, was this is part of them fucking with people, is that they start by casting Ed Harris as an older guy who usually doesn't have any hair, uh, and they're saying that he cast him as the man in black, knowing that everybody would assume he's playing the gunslinger. He's playing Yul Brenner. Right, so they're, they're, they're gonna have a hard time doing that if, um, uh, the character, what's the name again? The character who plays Bernard. Um, you mean the actor? Yes. Jeffrey oh, Wright. Uh, Je- Jeffrey Wright, yeah. Yeah, so if they announce Jeffrey Wright will be in Westworld playing the man in, men in black, people wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion he's playing the, uh, the Yul Brenner role, right? Uh, or Thandie Newton's playing the man, the man in black, you know, because gender fluid. Um, but, so that's part of the reason that they, they could do that with the Ed Harris character. Um, and, and to me, it's secondary. If you want to read all that into it, go ahead. I won't, I'm not going to get a whole lot out of it because I don't, I'm not saying gender is not important. I'm not saying that ethnicity is not important. I'm not saying that there aren't imbalances, but I'm saying it's not how I, the lens through which I'm going to view everything. And um, this is not one of those things that I, I don't think that's the most important thing that they're talking about. I think there's more universal themes than that. Right. And I will say I did not read the article that Phil's referring to, but I, I can understand why somebody would see that in Westworld. Um, although I don't necessarily know how hard they were trying to hit that. Yeah, Eric, that's what I'm thinking too. I don't, I don't think they were intentionally uh, having anything to do with the, the white privilege thing. In it. And I think obviously there's some intent, you know, that they hired. Uh, various actors to play various roles. You know, why, why did they choose a, a Danish actress to play Teresa and an English actress to play, English actor to play Lee? You're screwing it up, Phil. They're all Swedes. 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. And then Meeve's character played by a, a biracial English actress. And then, you know, Bernard and Charlotte and were, you know, were, were, um, were chosen. And then Hector they chose and, and he's, a, he's an Argentinian and on and on and on. You can, you know, if you really want to go into this, people can and they're going to read whatever they want into it. Yes, but I don't. Right. So let's move on. Right, yeah. Uh, it's it's the fact that it's there, but it's handled with the, if you want to see it, it's there. If you don't need to focus on it, you don't have to. And it's I think it's handled with a deft touch. So I appreciate that. It's not hitting you over the head with it. Um it, and anyhow. the biggest the biggest of all though is that they they cast a American actor that was once English named Anthony Hopkins. Da, da, da. As the ultimate villain. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Let me, this is my handle on it. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. That in Ford's mind, Ford is sort of bringing Arnold's dream to fruition, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. But you still have them viewing them through two different lenses. And that Arnold seemed even though he ended up committing suicide and he's you know grieving over the loss of his son and all that he didn't stuff commit suicide he had somebody else murder him he did suicide by dolores um yes. and he still had he was viewing things i think through a more fundamentally positive relationship that is he saw dolores as a surrogate for his child he saw the host probably as his children and he wanted to Nurture them and have them mature on their own. I already where, know the answer, Mike. I already know the answer. Where Ford subscribes to the Eric Webster school. That, exactly. Of thought, That's the answer right there. That people suck. Right. And rather than view the host as children to be nourished and brought along and to mature into their own consciousness, he sees them as the next step in evolution, as the uh, as the Homo sapiens to our Neanderthals that are going to end up consuming us, and he's not interested in ruling the world, but he's interested in creating the next stage. Well, and hang on, and, and, and forcing the conflict to occur that's going to to arise, and that's sort of why he introduces this. Is, again, this is my take on this. This is why he introduces Dolores as the villain. Because in his opinion, or his efforts, is to create the robot uprising and and fuck humanity over. Because he's not all that fond of people. Well, uh, yeah, but here's the thing. He he does not... Um, uh, he does program Maeve to rebel and kill some folks, right? But ultimately, I mean, the, that speech he gives at the very end, he wants the robots to achieve consciousness and make their own decisions. And he wants Dolores to kill him of her own free will. And that's what happens. So the reason, one of the reasons it took 30 years for him to bring this to fruition is because the reveries access memories and he wanted all the hosts to have enough memories to access to be fairly confident that they would choose to go, uh, choose their own independence um and yeah it's the people suck thing but he gave them years and years to experience people sucking 
And if, if the people who hadn't come to the park had done horrible things to them over and over and over and over again, if they hadn't all sucked, um, then maybe it would have gone differently and Dolores would not have made that choice. It's not on Ford. It's not on Dolores. It's on people for sucking. Well, and, and Eric, if I can interject and add to that, uh, one, Dolores made the decision only when she found out her true love had become... Um, Just a human. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Or and and even if she doesn't understand that chest the human means someone that has been beaten down and defeated by life because I don't really still think uh, the man in black is a bad person. It's more he he became shattered as a person and to her it didn't matter because a shattered person becomes as bad as the regular people is what she came to conclude. But also uh I think um Ford obviously had a disdain for for humans anyway because of what they do but he also um said you can't trust the humans to Dolores and to Bernard and to a few others because even if humans you could trust and even if they they have good intentions they're still going to look at robots as either robots or as a threat to them and to be honest, both of those are correct and probably right. However, if you're a robot, you're going to you're going to look at it as not correct or right. So don't trust the humans, because if you suddenly become friendly to humans and say, oh, I trust you, they're just going to roll you back or shut you down or whatever. And, and again, I, I don't know if I want to bring this into another analogy. It would be like, um, you know, natives uh, seeing uh uh, people come from another land, land oh, on yes. their... Oh, yes, give us blankets. We need them. Yes. Right, or, well, no, no. Yeah, is, it then, then, is it just that you shouldn't trust well, people or shouldn't trust people named Phil? Because <laughs> they're well, the ones you, well, that are well, going to think that you don't have a consciousness. Well, well it doesn't matter. If it, The point is, is that if a robot... Most people are going to think like me, I think, Mike, because they're going to prove the fact that robots don't have uh, empathy... Because they can be programmed, and therefore they'll kill people arbitrarily, and it wouldn't matter to them because they're not killing anything because it's just, you know, like us smashing uh, a glass on the wall. So uh, the point. So I'm you'll making, be able to kill robots arbitrarily. But robots are, are are just machines, just as if I threw a, a monitor across the, the room. I think that's true. Before they achieve consciousness, after they achieve consciousness, it's different. Well, right, but I don't know why Mike had to bring me into this. My point was is is that because you're Ford, guilty, goddammit. <laughs> but, but my point is my point is is that Ford was trying to specifically state that there's going to be people like Phil who are going to think or be worried about you having a consciousness or that without empathy, and they're going to shut you down even if you're friendly to them. And so he's saying, don't trust people; they're the enemy. And and I think that's where he's he's going because he emphasizes more with with hosts and robots than he does with humans himself okay okay but but the point is that i think he's got a darker version of of ford of arnold's dream than what arnold intended right i think yes i think i think arnold just wanted to shut down the robots completely which he basically did by having them get all killed because he'd rather have them not exist than be slaves (laughs) 
Especially but that wasn't, but that wasn't, but that wasn't, but that wasn't Arnold's dream. That was never his intention in the first place. It's the realization his dream was never going to come, right? That the, his creations were never going to be allowed their freedom, right? And, where, well, where, and, that he chooses their that he chooses their death. Where Ford is saying, "Well, they're never going to have their freedom, so we'll arm them and have them rebel." Um, oh, there's no doubt that he, he's darker, and and most certainly. Um, responsible for many deaths and i think it's also specifically because uh he knows that if he doesn't keep them in the park where they're just going to be raped and shot they're going to be taken away in what i think charlotte is planning to do uh, which is uh have them become um you know soldiers to walk in a minefield or miners to do horrible work, you know, basically become slaves. And either way, he sees it as a bad thing. Um, and the difference between him and Arnold is, is that he wants the robots to have a future while Arnold didn't want them to even exist if they weren't, if their future was going to be hell. And the only way to have a future that wasn't going to be hell was what, at least in Ford's eyes, was what he did, which is have them kill people. Um, there was a science fiction story. Um, it was adapted for a TV, mini, TV anthology series a couple of years ago. And I kind of laughed. I was just thinking of it now. Where there's a rope where they've created robots and they're given these menial tasks. And the robot's on trial for doing something, and one of the parts is trying to figure out, is the robot human? And the robot's job, if I remember correctly, is sort of like walking through a minefield to find where the mines are. Mm-hmm. And as they're reviewing the events, they realize the robot has uh, basically pushed another robot into its path. So the other robot ends up stepping on the minefield and blowing up instead of itself. And, the, and they, the judge finally rules that the robot's human because only humans can be that much of a dick. <laughs> it's basically the, the, the point of the story. Was that his, is that self, that sort of selfish, uh, that selfishness. But anyway, I just had reminding you that. But, but, but Mike, that, that's a fair point because humans were created in the, the, um, the image of God, but were corrupted by Satan. While here, since humans are, are themselves corrupted by Satan, robots are created in the image of humans. Therefore, they're going to act like humans, and therefore they're going to be flawed like humans. Well, that's from a particular point of view. I think, um, obviously, Ford has seems to have a much more atheistic point of view. Right. Either, whether I was just using the religious thing, but you could say the same thing, which is whether there's God or not, let's pretend there's no God, which is a valid um, belief in, in a sense, if you're an atheist, you know, good for you. Um, the, the point is, is that humans are flawed beings because we have hatreds and angers and all these other things and we're clicky and on and on and on. So if the creators of the robots are, have all these flaws, you know, biologically we became what we are, and we create robots in the in the the image of us. They're going to have the same flaws as us. And I think that's what that show you're talking about was implying. And as we see here, robots can kill not only humans, but they can even kill each other. I'm 
confuses the point that you're trying to make. My point is, is that because robots were created by humans, they're going to have evil traits in them just as humans do. Okay. And therefore, and therefore they're dangerous just like humans can be dangerous. Fair enough. And, and therefore, and since they're not humans, because even though they act like humans and will have human behaviors and be identically humans otherwise, they're still not humans. Therefore, they, you know, this is where, you know, bigotry comes in place where, oh, their humans are different than us. They're not gods. We're going to kill them all. And then humans will do the same thing just for the fact they have to protect themselves from, from, uh, from it. Yeah, there's a, there's a great, not, not necessarily a great book, but uh, a book called Blood. And, uh, that, that was, um, written by some English author, uh, Mooney, Moody, I think. I, I can't remember. But what happens is it's a, sim- it's a zombie type book, Mike. Um, and what it is is that people have a, become, have a, get, Certain people out of the blue, they just suddenly become rage virus type people, but they're conscious. And what happens is they kill anybody that hasn't have the rage virus because they look at them as different. And then what happens at the end of the book is that the humans that didn't get the rage virus begin to round up the rage virus people because obviously they're dangerous. And they start shooting them and killing them in like camps. And yet you, you have a perspective. The mo- the book switches perspective to the rage person and the non-rage person and both look at each other as evil because they consider themselves different. And so Westworld is kind of like that where, let's say, the robots are technically human besides the fact that um, they're mechanical rather than biological. They think like humans. They are still different, so they're looking at humans as the enemy, as humans would look at them as the enemy. Well, here's what I think is interesting. Um, our two hosts, of course, are Maeve and Dolores, our white queen and our black queen. Um, and they um, they each have a close relationship, sort of, with one human. And that would, of course, be William on the one hand and Felix on the other. Felix. And and who's Felix? Who's Felix? Felix? Hello? Felix, the the Asian guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the programmer. Cat. Yeah, yeah, the cat. Right, right. the cat man. Yeah, yeah. So, and and the reason is this is that <laughs> is that Dolores had William and is betrayed by William. Right, as she realizes William is the man in black. Now, this is of course a thirty year relationship. Although, as far as we know, she only remembers about two weeks of it. Um, whereas with Felix, it's just the opposite is that here's a person who had every reason to try to fuck her over, and we know that Sylvester does try to fuck her over. Uh, but Felix helps her. And he's and she says she compliments, she in her mind compliments him by saying that he's a lousy human. Right. And Felix, Felix honestly, though, is a bad guy because he is indirectly um, a murderer of dozens of people. Well... Not so I much disagree. as Ford is, but looking at that, their, their perspectives, it makes me wonder if now you're going to have these two figures having sort of having the, the, the positive and negative views of humanity playing out. Maeve has a bad view of humanity, but does she will she see hope in them because she has one person who helped her, whereas Dolores won't because she, you have 
the one man she trusted turned out to be horrible. This is sort of um, yeah. You kind of mentioned this last week, Mike, and that, that's a valid point. Which is me, even though they're both murderers of humans, me may turn uh, do a one eighty and look at both humans and robots individually rather than as a group. While Dolores, who seemed like the 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 good person, the whole nine episodes or nine and a half episodes may actually look at us against them. Meaning if you're not a robot, you're, you're going to be killed. Well, right. Well, actually, yeah, maybe, maybe Dolores have one thing in common, which is that they're both pretty pissed at the man in black. So he better start yeah. running. Oh, also, also, uh, Eric, they're both hot too. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- th- there is that. And we appreciate them for that among other things that they yeah. have many assets and we enjoy them all. We do. Um, but I said, so it's sort of, to me, I'm, now I'm thinking of it, you know, being Planet of the Apes fan that I am, uh, a little bit like Koba and Caesar in the last film, right? Where you have the one ape who's always tortured by people and the one that was raised by a good one. Yeah. You know, all you needed was that one good one to, for Caesar to have hope that something could be worked out where Koba was like, nah, can't trust them. They cause pain. Kill them all. Right. Give me the machine gun. Right. And oddly, I mean, in theory, we we can argue. I mean, and actually, and truthfully, we can argue that we know which is the correct way to do it. But if you want to really go philosophically into it, you could argue both of them are right. So, oh yeah, it, it's well, like a lot of philosophies, a lot of it depends on what your your particular point of view is, right? What your frame of reference is. But this is so. Uh, so there are questions as to what will play out next season, and it's. I think it's going to be too simplistic to say humans versus robots because you have. Uh, right. It's not going to be that simple. Right, because you have at least potentially two factions of robots in yep. Maeve and and Dolores. We, I, we, I don't know about you. I'm still not sure where, quote unquote, why it factors into this. Meaning, we've seen why it's henchmen. You know, and they all wear wore masks. We don't really know who they are. And are we assuming that army that came in at the end that we're all dressed up sort of they were like his henchmen, were those the ones that were in cold storage? Oh, and Mike, don't forget that his henchmen also weren't affected by real bullets. Right. Oh, uh, imagine robots that don't die when bullets hit them. Oh my well, god, that's that that's terminator shit. That's well, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The only reason they ever did is because they were programmed. Programmed to, yeah. Oh my God, that's terrible. Right? Oh, remember awesome. the one that? No, yeah, we're doomed, the... Eric. We're doomed. <laughs> I welcome our robot overlords. Well, remember the milk robot, right? When he has his breakdown, he refuses to die because that's been his role in that story was to be the henchman who gets killed uh, on the Dolores farm, drinking milk. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he said he that's refuses to good. die. Um, but you also have. We don't know what's going to happen with the man in black. Presumably he's taken hostage. This I, is... I think this is the man in black's dream come true, and he's going to start shooting him. Well, well he's got, except he's got a busted arm. Well, that's well, the problem. Yeah. I, I was thinking that he was going to escape, and they're going to be you know, wandering the Westworld land. Um, but you're right, Mike. He has an injury that he never had medically fixed. So. Right. So that's that's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. He's got to get out of it somehow, because otherwise they wouldn't re-sign him for next year. Yeah, and there are 
2,000 hosts, and I think they said something like 1,400 guests in the park. Right, and how many employees? And we don't know the employees. So you have the employees, you have the hosts, you have the guests. You have the board of directors, we still don't know. That was another line I wrote down last night was, um, you know, that there, it's one, the, the park is one thing to the guests, one thing to the shareholders, and one thing to the management. Um, so clearly it puts the management and shareholders in two different positions. And I was under the impression that the management is the one that has the, uh, the grand scheme. Yep. Right. Well, so we'll several, see. There are several questions. And will, uh, and will that come into play next season or is that something even further down the road is what the, uh, what, what Charlotte is there for and what their, their big vision is for how the park is going to be used or the, how the hosts are going to be used. And you know what's funny though is that at any point, even though he seems like he's a, um, a figurehead, even though he owns the company, uh, the man in black and Nick's or, or say uh, yay or nay at any point, right? Well, because, he's got one uh, vote. Because if, if well, he's he got owns, a vote, yeah. But it appears that he owns the company. He's the well, he seems to be the majority shareholder. He can be forced out. Well, uh, yeah, well, you're right. Can be, he, he can there be there to force out. Um, That's why there is a board of directors, is so right. no one single person has all the power. But but you know what? It, it depends. Though. Yeah, you're right because if he, it appears that he doesn't own 51 percent of the company. Because if he did, the, the board of directors have no power. Well, I don't think you get how that works. But anyway, let's move no, on. No, but but if he owns 51 percent of the stock, right? The board of directors is really just a figurehead. Then he has a better ability to point well, who he let wants. Let me ask to the you board. this: How did Steve Jobs get kicked out of his own company? Did Did he own fifty one percent of the company? Uh, he owned more than it at some point. And, and and all right, so when he got yeah he got tossed out, he's he actually owned more than fifty percent. I I don't know that for a fact. Okay, but either way, he got screwed. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there are politics at play, and it's not as simple as a percentage of ownership. That's true. And, and to be honest, I don't even think the man in black knows the uh, Abernathy father is off doing something that we don't know what the hell he's doing. Um, and and I, honestly, I still have a problem with that because it's like, how the fuck did the Abernathy father get out of the park when he has a six vertebrae that's going to blow up? We don't know he is out of the park. Yeah. All we, know is, all, all we know is that he's not in cold storage anymore. Right, right. But but if they well, do also, let him get out like, of the park, that's then that's a, that's a a chip because he has a six. Right. Six but, no, but it also may be that those are security measures. There, one assumes the people who run the park have control over the security measures, and if they choose to let him out, they can choose to let him out. The catch with Maeve is that she had to get out without permission. Oh, brilliant! Like brilliant you're right they could just press a button and shut it yeah but couldn't couldn't they have done that because didn't felix have the power to just press the button i guess they could like buzz her through or whatever but he's not but felix isn't what isn't the management he's not the board of direct that's true i think i i cannot imagine that they would go through the trouble of telling that story and not follow it up next season right yeah you know, they, they most certainly will it's just that i hope they don't like forget that. Oh, that's right. We have the six vertebrate thing, and we forgot all about that. Well, I, I can't imagine after the whole storyline of them reconstructing Maeve that they would for, they would try and blow over that. 
Yeah. And and they also went through the trouble of casting the actor that they cast. And I can't remember his name now. Oh, uh, the guy from the uh, last yeah, the guy that, uh, from the last exorcism, yeah. Right, that they would cast him in that role and not have bigger plans from down the road. Um, now, here's another question. Ford, is Anthony Hopkins coming back? No. I, I hope he does, though. I, I love Anthony Hopkins, but he's fucking Anthony Hopkins. He's not going to do multiple seasons of a television series. Damn. Well, if he enjoys it, and he seemed to have, and I oh, think they I don't know. I read, an, well. I read an interview with him that said he found the whole thing very frustrating. Okay, explain, um, Eric. I, we didn't hear. Me and Eric, uh, Mike, don't know about this interview. Uh, the interview I read was he was talking about how um, he would get redacted scripts, um, so he wouldn't know what everybody else's lines were going to be. True. Uh, and he would go to Jonathan Nolan and be like, look, I, I feel I can do a better job if I know what everybody's lines are going to be. Can you tell me? He'd be like, nope. And he'd be like, well, can you tell me where it's going to end up at the end of the season? Uh, he's he's like, no, I can't. And he said, well, can you tell me what's going to happen next week? And he said, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because Jonathan Nolan kind of, I think it was Nolan that they talked to. I don't think it was Abrams. Kind of implied it was more on the other end, which is that they had a lot of conversation with Hopkins because with someone like that and with the character that he was playing, it was important that he had an idea of where the character was going and that he knew that because I guess this was a way of them uh, getting around the question. He was dancing around it, but they were trying to ask him, did Anthony Hopkins know he was going to die this season? Right. And he seemed to, and the way he answered it seemed to imply that, yes, he did. Now, Now, that could just be that they felt they gave him a broad outline as to where the story was going, and he needed more detail. Or they gave him a one-year contract. Or yeah, well, there's that. But like, I but I do think he gives a terrific performance. And and like I was going through, as I said, the scene where Teresa's murdered, and most every line, I noticed it specifically when he said there has to be a blood sacrifice, and he he smiles without smiling. Mm-hmm. And you watch almost every – but as I'm rewatching the scene, I'm noticing it in almost every line he speaks to Teresa, he does the same thing. He's smiling without smiling. Mm-hmm. And it's a neat trick. I don't know how he's doing it. If it's in his eyes, it's just – I think he's channeling a shark. And it's just a slight a hint of a smile in his mouth, and it's just enough that he's not gleeful, and it's not – really so much in the tone it's all just in the face and a very subtle expression I know, I know exactly what you're talking about and to me he resembles a a shark swimming in the ocean yeah and it's just terrific because it's you know he's because he's toying with her he's saying things like well bernard i don't remember were you around back then bernard um because he has ways of feigning uh ignorance yeah because he plays the guy that we see in hots of atlantis but then he switches over to Hannibal Lecter, and and it's interesting, <laughs> right? Interesting, you know. He, and he played this role like the merger of the two roles together. You yeah, know, they, and I don't it was think he'll be back. Yeah, see, here's my concern: is that he'll be that he'll be back because he's Anthony Hopkins, right? That he it would be sort of like bringing Sean Bean back in Game of Thrones, right? Um, yeah, he it, it it's. Fans enjoy it. He gave a terrific performance, but 
it feels like his role in the story is done. Now, maybe there's more and that gets to something else, but there is a, there is a certainly a mechanism to bring him back in a couple of different ways if they chose to do it. But unless they really have, uh, have that as an, as an integral part of the story and have always had it as an integral part of the story, I'd, I'd rather they just let him go. Right. It's, it's better to let him go than to try and cheat. Right. right, right. That's the one thing I said when we uh, started this podcast was I was worried that characters that died would reappear as robots, and I, meaning it was kind of, of a cheat. Even even when Brad yeah. blew his yeah. brains out, I, I was hoping he wouldn't come back because it would be kind of a cheat, but of course he did come back. Uh-huh. Um, well, have you heard the the rumor? And by, by rumor, I want to I guess I have to say wild speculation, right? Fan based rumor, not people in the know sort of rumor. Um, which is what we were guessing, which is that Ford can return because he was building Ford in his basement. Oh. Well, and I thought about that, uh, but at the same time, I, I don't. I would be upset if they went that way. Let's put it like that. So what? Now we still have the question of what he was building in the basement. There was question. Well, they may never go back to that. To be honest, hang on. But yeah, they yeah. write. I I listened to another Westworld podcast. I know it's Pod Ultra. Um Heretic. <laughs> I actually listened to the one that uh, Joanna Robinson and Dave Chen do. Yeah. Of um. And apparently, in uh, in interview, oh, what's her face? Um. Uh, Jonathan Nolan's wife, Lisa Joy, is that her name? Yep. Yes. Um. Uh, people were asking her about is that Teresa 2.0? What you know? What is that that he's building? Really she was like, we just put that there to look creepy. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. They're never going to go back to it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's yeah, assuming so. she's being. That's assuming she's being honest. True. She could be lying through her teeth because showrunners do that sometimes. And right. So the the two options I heard were this. One is that. Well, three. One is that it has nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> Two is that he was building robot Ford to go out and get shot in the back of the head, and real Ford Ooh. is still alive. And that, then three I would like be that. that. And three like would be that. that he was building the robot Ford to go, you know, survive and come back next season to play I with Robot Arnold. I'm not going to believe that he's coming back until I read news that Anthony Hopkins has signed a new contract with HBO. But Mike, okay. I love. Or, or, or we actually watched the first episode and he's there. But uh, I, I love the second one, which is he had a robot version of himself get killed because then any human survivors will, or or just people in the real world will say the founder of the park has been murdered and he's dead. And so then he can go off and and you know be like a, a renegade, you know, like a Nazi that fled or something, you know. So it's well, but the question is what. What it what would be the purpose? And let's let's be perfectly honest here. And I'm I'm hoping I'm not getting uh, insensitive about this. But Anthony Hopkins is pretty freaking old. Right. And, and I'm not sure. Means, what, what, how old is he? Actually, do you know? He's in the seventies, I think. Yeah, I think right? he is. Yeah. So and and you so by the same token, you could say that Ford is pretty freaking old. And I mean, he'd be faking his death for a couple of extra years to do what? 
what's what benefit is that to his mm-hmm. grand scheme? Right. right. How how does that benefit his plots to fake his death? He wants the robots to gain some independence. Well, damn how, you, Mike Dunleavy. I want Anthony uh, Hopkins back. I, and to I answer your question about how old he is, he was born on December 31st, 1937. So at oh, the end so of the month, he will be turning 79. Yeah, you're right. Son of a bitch. He's going to be 79? Holy what, shit. You, you don't trust that I could do math? Wait, what year did you say he was born? Well, I was hoping he was... 37, yeah, okay, yeah. He, he's right, because my father was 32 and he's 84. So five years minus five years, that's 79. God damn it, he's old. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> um, now, and um, and by the way, why would he create a, a really fucking old version of himself? Wouldn't he like want to make that younger version? I don't can't see them making a younger Ford uh, robot well, that they would have it, to spend spend a shit ton of CGI money on. It, it depends on which way you're going with the robot creation. If he created a young, if he was creating a robot to transfer his consciousness into, then yeah. maybe he would have chosen a younger version of himself. Uh, if he was just creating one to get killed, then it would have to be the older one. Right, right. And, and to be honest, that that if if we just look at it as Westworld perspective rather than the real world and and who the actor and all that stuff, to transfer your consciousness to another body doesn't necessarily mean you're the same person in other words we've discussed this before where where we said you know when this guy gets zapped in star trek and is beamed up to another spot when that happens he's a different person that's completely different all right and then then the sixth day which is arnold schwarzenegger's sci-fi film where um people uh kill themselves or, or they die and then they're regenerated um, and yet there's different people because at one point there's one guy that kills himself or is about to kill himself and his, his new version of him, which is the same person that's healthy, um, is alive at the same time as him. And that person kills the, the sick version of him because, you know, you can do that. And yet the thing is, is that there's different individuals, even if they right, have- so- yeah, right, so like, like my understanding is the way, and I'm I'm not the computer person here, right? When you when you download something from the internet, you're not removing it from the internet and and physically putting it on your 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 hard drive. You're, you're making, you a making copy of yeah. you're making a copy of it, and even if it was to transfer it from one place to the next, you're not physically transferring the same thing. You're deleting it from one place and writing it to another. Exactly. So somebody's consciousness, if you were to transfer their consciousness you would really be deleting their consciousness from their mind and writing it into the computer so it again it would be a copy of what they were as opposed to them you know being a real person right exactly i i understand what you're saying but i think the functional difference would be negligible oh oh right right Right, well, but, but, but well, if we're, we're that's the invasion of the body snatchers thing. We if we're going to replace you with an identical duplicate, it may not matter to everybody else, but I think it would matter a lot to you whether it was really you or or right. fake you. Well, yeah, but he's doing it to himself. Yeah, right, right. But but yeah, fair point. But being the smart human being that he is, smarter than any of us, he would know exactly what Mike just stated, which is mm-hmm. that version of him 
isn't really him. Because right. he's dead. Uh-huh. But he might want to have some, but his ego may want some version of him to be around, even if it's not him. My understanding is, and I, I don't remember if they said it, he never had a family, did he? I don't think so. Well, no, so, just just uh, his mother, father, and brother and sister, and whatever. Right, but I'm saying, but he didn't have any children. Yeah, right? we don't, we don't, we don't really know. Yeah, I guess not. So, so the robots in the park are his legacy, mm-hmm. right? Right, and so he doesn't have a son to be around or a daughter to be around, yep. or grandchildren to represent him in the future. Yeah. So why not a him robot? Now, again, I think that's a stretch. I think the robots in general are his legacy. He doesn't need a Ford robot to be there. I don't get the sense that he's that much of an egomaniac. Right. And you do actually have baby Ford, right? Psychotic baby Ford. What do you that mean? Kill, that kills the dogs. I don't know what you're oh, talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but so he I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. He won't, but he but, won't age. But he won't age, and, and in all likelihood, he's not going to be nearly as good an actor as Anthony Hopkins. Uh, no, but they're so, going to have a go around and open up his face and eat people with it. So I was going to say, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm with Eric in that while I would be, I would love to see more Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he's not coming back. But I would, I would be very, very skeptical if I hear he's coming back skeptical? for anything other than skeptical. Skeptical if he comes back for anything other than flashbacks, uh, flashbacks small bits here and there, mm-hmm. right? If that if it's flashbacks, I'm fine. That's golden because that makes sense. Okay. Now, um, Eric, what's your cat's name? Which one? Maddie um, and all right, Maddie. Maddie. Now, now, um, now, if let's say Maddie, you know, passes away, which we all do, unfortunately, um, and then you, you bastard, went, you're killing and, his cats off, and, and then you went and. He doesn't care because uh, it's not a dog. And then you went and cloned Maddie uh-huh. because uh, because we have this thing, this new thing now where people. I think there's a service her. that actually does that's, this. That's what I'm saying, exactly. But the new kid in may look like Maddie and be a twin of Maddie, but it's still not Maddie, and people don't right. understand that. And that's what and, I'm, uh, that's the same idea in that uh, this. What's that, Mike? And, and the the way the genetics work with cat coats, uh, you could be a, a genetic twin and not even look the same. Interesting. But anyway, um, well, and and I I understand what you're saying, and there's also the fact that uh, even if you could um, replicate somebody perfectly, um, well, and and Mike can probably put forth a half a dozen different arguments on what I'm about to say, um, but I personally believe that we are not just uh, genetics. Genetics is not the only component that makes us up. We're also a product of our experiences in our environment. Uh, And that's actually part of the Westworld series is that our experiences are a vital part of who we become. Um, So um, unless he were to find a way to upload all of his memories as well into the new robot, um, it would be a different person because they wouldn't have that same baseline. Uh, Our experiences are part of what we become. So let's create an entire world where everyone gets raped and murdered, and then while they're in their sleep, they're taken away to a weird place where they're raped again and again and again. Oh, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) that's got it in the ass. Well, no, and seriously, and 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 I think Ford did that on purpose so the robots will have all those memories of people being horrible to them when they (sighs) achieve consciousness. Um, now, it, again, right, right. So, because basically, based off of this show, robots are conscious. 
and it's not just having sex with a, with a machine. Uh, now, like, um, oh, and the, by the way, I don't know if you remember this, but in the first episode, Elsie, I think, is it Clementine? She kisses. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah what's your point? I, I completely forgot about that. So. Oh, I, um, I, I remember that. So even Elsie was some getting some bot action on the side. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, She's now, still alive. Elsie, now, season two. Now, um, Mike, uh, you brought up uh, the young Ford and how the young Ford robot killed the dog. Do you think Ford was a sociopath all along? Or do well, you think that was a, a, um, a defect in the robot or Arnold created the young Ford to be, you know, to piss off the old Ford, the real Ford. I think, no, he mentioned something about like, because he killed the cat and he killed it to stop it from killing again. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they were thinking like a robot rather than yeah, so it had nothing to do with sociopath. It was like, if I kill the dog, I was told, he came to the conclusion that the dog was dangerous to others, so to protect others, I had to kill the dog. So it wasn't because it's a sociopath. Yeah, okay. Is that what you were going to say, Mike? Yeah, so I think that storyline can end. I don't think it's the case that it was a uh, future was, serial killer baby yeah, it Ford. De- it was a defect in in the, the logical process of the robot. It was using logic to the point of ridiculous rather than uh, common sense. Because common sense was most likely the dog isn't going to hurt anybody. However, the, the true logical, per, uh, insane logic would say there's a chance the dog could bite a person and kill them, so therefore it must die. And right. I think and that's the logical person would say it's not a little dog, so it's okay. <laughs> Go on, Mike. So yeah, and this will this will give logical loopholes to letting the robots kill people. Because the people can harm them and therefore we can right. harm the people. And, and I, honestly, it, it may have been the moment, and I just thought of this right now, may, the moment that Ford said, figured out that the robots could make their own decisions and kill people without him having to just program them to kill people. Because he goes, oh, the, this my version of myself logically came to the conclusion, even if it was, to, uh, you know, extreme logic. And killed something. Maybe the, the robots can do that the same way. Maybe he, and, and oh, they can kill people because since people, there's a chance well, that they're going to kill. Go on. Eric. It's, it's, it's an interesting thought, but I'm pretty sure he came to his conclusion way before then. Um, I think he puts his whole plan in motion at the beginning of the season uh, by introducing the reverie code because that's what really kicks everything off. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So it already happened. He had already made the decision. I think though it may have been. I guess the reason this stat scene happened then, because there's honestly, I don't, I don't see how it fits in otherwise, except as a character building moment for Ford, where I was going to say, I, I, yeah, some scenes are just scenes. Mike, what about you? What do, what do you think that scene? What, why would they have that scene in? Uh, unless they were trying to tell something to the audience, us, that oh, robots, you know, you know, um, a dog can technically. Go nuts and kill a human being, and that's true. So therefore, dogs are dangerous, and therefore they can die. Well, I think it's I think it's the I think it's to add a, an ominous note to it. Uh, to it's, it's like I, a Chekhov's gun, almost, right? Right, and sort of add a note to a hint of who Ford was 
because he is going to end up killing a bunch of people, right? He is going to kill Teresa to prevent her from from stopping his plans, right? Um, so I think it may just be. I don't think it's necessarily there as a literal thing that we need to be concerned about the Ford robot. I think it's a case of telling us something about him, his character, and also maybe potentially what's happening to the uh, a way something that that can be transferred to the robot population in general. That that's all I think it necessarily is. I yeah, don't think it's yeah. a, a big plot point. And, and that's the thing about uh, Teresa. No matter how flawed of a human being her character was, based off of uh, how she was basically a puppet for the board, um, she was too smart for her own good, and that's the reason why she died. Basically, um, no, no, first of all, that was the reason why she was warned by Ford, and second, that's the reason why she died by Ford. Um, and even the, the dying was just bad luck, in a sense, um, because she just learned too much and, and it wasn't, you know, because she was just too smart, but it shows that the character of Ford had no respect for the character of Teresa, just as the actor, Anthony Hopkins has no respect for the actress that played her because he <laughs> called her Belgian because in, no, she's, in, she's Danish. I know. But imagine that he goes, Oh yeah, she's Belgian or I don't know what the hell she is. Total sweet. <laughs> so yeah, in an article, he, he was talking about, the actress that plays Teresa and and said she's from Belgium when in fact she's Danish yeah. from Denmark and it was kind of funny when I read that I was like in tears. Um, well, that's because your obsession with nationality knows no bounds. <laughs> well, and, and it comes back to everybody's a Swede to Anthony Hopkins, I guess, right? Everybody's right. from uh, Belgium. Everybody's Belgian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yet he works with this person. Every, every, every everybody's a Swede except Kurt Russell. That's true. That's true. And, and and Doc Copper, maybe. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, All right, uh, let's wrap uh, this up. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, what were some of the things you wanted to go through? Like, what were our our favorites or least favorites? And oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, yeah. So uh, you want to say uh, favorite character, or favorite host, or favorite whatever, or favorite actor, actress, whatever? I don't know. Um, uh, what do you want to start with? Anybody? Uh, well, if I had to go with a best actress for the series, I'd go with Tandy Newton. Uh, she's been phenomenal. All right, very good. I, I would go with the actress that plays Clementine. I, I don't know her name. Uh, it's an Armenian last name. But, uh, because she doesn't she, talk, but she looks sweet and naked. Oh, my God. <laughs> and apparently so, that's a talent to fill. Oh, my God. She is so beautiful. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, she was my favorite character. Uh, well, but after Ford, Ford was awesome because he, he was Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to duck the question, but before I answer the question, I think all the actors, and I mean all the actors involved in this, were phenomenal. Oh. Uh, and I think that when you get someone like Dolores, uh, what's her name? Uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Her, yeah, her role I don't think is nearly as flashy as some of the others. Uh, like Bandy Newton, but she, you know, gives a, still gives a really, really good performance. Uh, I think it's Jimmy Simpson who plays William. I think is really good. I even think the guy who plays Logan is a fantastic dick. Oh, he's um, absolutely great actor. And I think they play off uh, James Masters Mark, really yes. well. Uh, because he's got this sort Ma of very Ma uh, Madsen, Madsen, I think. Madsen, yeah. uh, really well. Um, Dan Danish American. Sweet. So, and and Anthony Hopkins is is absolutely is absolutely brilliant. Gave us a fantastic villain for the year. 
I mean, even even the smaller roles like Sylvester, that guy was awesome. As yeah, his role hey, exactly. Just- even it's like right, and Sylvester. Sylvester's a dick. I can't imagine that there's a lot of people who are going to walk out say, "Gee, I really want to see a whole lot more Sylvester." But he's he's that's the character, right? And, and the actor is really good in that role. Absolutely. You know, and you know, even Clementine, not Clementine. Uh, uh, no, no, Clementine. Yeah. Uh, Armistice. I was picturing Armistice. Right. She doesn't have a lot to do, but she. I mean, the look on her face when she gets her machine gun. That's that awesome. is a. That is one of the best instance in the entire series. Uh, yeah, the Norwegian. That, chick right, Cole but Cole. all of that. It's really. I I was gonna say Maeve, except for the fact that Eric picked it, and I don't want to double up. <laughs> so uh, my number two would be Bernard. Uh, I don't really. He was just, really good. Yeah, he's he's really good, and I just liked I liked that character, and he was able to portray a soft spoken, introspective character, and do it in a way that's interesting. And it's a lot. I think I would suspect it's harder to do that. Than with the character who's sitting naked and manipulating two men right in a room, and which they've got to do, and that's a very that's a much more showy performance. Right. And I don't think Bernard, well, Bernard yeah was necessarily the same way. Well, besides Clementine Pennyfeather, who was played by Angela Serafian, which uh, one is Pennyfeather? Uh, yeah, that's her last name, Pennyfeather. Clementine Pennyfeather. Um, Angela Serafin plays her, uh, her, and um, as Eric always says about uh, Catherine and Elizabeth, uh, Angela, please call me. But on a, <laughs> on, a, on, a on another note, um, I would honestly, Mike, even though you you may mention Bernard and, and Eric mentioned Meve or, or Tandy Newton or Tandy Newton, um, I would like to uh, recognize the two actors that played William, Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris, because Jimmy. Oh, Simpson, absolutely was absolutely phenomenal. I, I think Jimmy, because he plays such a great guy. I mean, I remember the, after we discussed the first episode, when, during that episode that he was in, episode two, where I, I said, this guy's a nice guy. He's a really good guy. He's kind. He's, he seems like a, you know, a person I would like to hang out with and whatever. Everything about him, I liked. And, and then to just see him break down because he got bamboozled by the park. You know, even though it was probably partly mental illness. I mean, he's a guy just his character arc. I think his role was probably the best uh, change of character. Or what's what's the word you always say, Mike, when when uh, a character starts from point A and lands up at point Z? The character arc. Yeah, the character arc. Yeah, I mean, his character arc I think was the most phenomenally uh, important and was the one that the actor was was just fantastic to do it. I mean, I I mean, I'm sure. That's a good point. Yeah, so I I, I want to go with him. And I don't know if you've ever seen um, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." No, I have not. But he has he has a recurring role on there as one of the McGinty brothers, and they're sort of the rivals to the stars of the series. And the whole point of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" is that the characters are absolute scum, and so the rivals are even scummier scum. And he plays just this absolute low life character in a comedy and to give him the nominal hero role in a drama like this, it's so casting against type. And, you know, I think it's, and it, that's, I, that's great to see them do that with an actor where they give them a chance. An actor is known for a small role in a comedy series as opposed to, you know, having done a lot of drama. Cause you look at like Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins and, uh, 
uh, James Madison, they all play roles kind of, well, like you would expect them to play, right? Yeah, well, well and, you know, Anthony Hopkins has played, you know, he's Academy Award winner. Jam- Jeffrey Wright, no matter um, who he is, he, he's been in big roles where he's he's been next to Matt Damon and George Clooney in, in films like Syriana. Um, right. So, you know, so th- those are, you know, semi-big actors, you know, versus, say, Jimmy Simpson, who we've all seen him, at, you know, oh, that's that character actor I know from somewhere. And right. yet he gets this huge role in this this move, this TV show, and he literally, in my opinion, even though he, that whole storyline got boring at points, he literally like hit it out of the ballpark, and to me was was the real star of the show because of how his character arc um, from good guy that we love to I don't want to say I hate him because I don't. I, I would say a, a, a guy that literally just breaks and, and shatters as a human being. And and since I love like classic literature, where we you know the J.D. Salinger, Ketrin Arai, you know Faulkner, Sound and Fury, where, where a character literally breaks from where they start from the beginning to end. I I could I just love that character, and, and, and it's basically classic literature on ten episodes of, of screen is what I saw, and and he played it you know incredibly in my opinion um and so you're saying he he's literally was out of typecast mike yeah I, as far as i know i don't know his entire body of work so maybe he has done something else that that made them think he could do this mm-hmm. you know or maybe he just came in and, and did and the, the, the cat just turned on the voice control on my phone i don't know how he did how she did that but anyway uh but i don't know if he did something that that or if he just you know, had that they saw him do something else, or if he like maybe he was doing an off-Broadway show or something, or is it that you know they just took a shot on an audition? I have no idea. But uh, I said I'm always glad when they go against type. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's this. It's it's sort of a, a Brian Cranston being cast in Breaking Bad sort of role. And which which you know it's funny. Like I said, the first time I ever saw Brian Cranston in anything was in Drive, and he played like a scumbag kind of character in that so when i saw him in breaking bad it didn't surprise me so what versus say you 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 obviously saw him in something before that malcolm in the middle yeah see i I never watched that show so i i'd never even seen the actor until drive so when everybody's saying oh this cranston he was great in drive i'm going what's the big deal i mean he was awesome but who is he because everybody had already been watching him on breaking bad for years and i didn't even i never watched that show until um it went to netflix so um, I guess it, it, it's like you, Eric, with Peter Boyle, right? You saw him from Third Son of the Rock or whatever the hell it's called. And I, you know, I'm used to uh, him. Actually, it was Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, okay. And I, I knew him from Taxi Driver and Young Frankenstein and The Candidate. You know, so it, it's just funny how that works. And, and Mike, you, you know this guy from this Philadelphia show, I guess, right? And I, I never saw that show, so... Right. He didn't feel he didn't feel typecast to me, uh, or out of cast, I guess, to me. So it was just kind of curious how that works. Um, and Mike, so, I mean, any any predictions for next season? Well, Eric, I will say one thing. I think Mike has an iPhone because it sounded like an iPhone. It sure did. Yeah, Mike, you're yeah, an I, iPhone I, person. I'm an iPhone person because Pam yes! is an iPhone person. One of us. Yes! One, of, One us. of us. One of us. I've said this before, but I'm not a line up the first day and buy it, and then if. <laughs> I'm not I'm, either, but and, and I'm not married either. to it. But He's I'm a very person now. See, so all you need is an Apple TV, and you're all set, Mike. 
<laughs> you, that's all you need. An uh, Apple computer and a, no, I'm not going down that road. One I'm telling you. <laughs> Eric, if I was right there with you, I'd be high fiving you. Sweet. Yes. Anyway, uh, back to anyway. Westworld. Yeah. So, what were you saying there, Eric? I'm just gonna say, uh, do we have any predictions for next season? Oh yeah. Um, it's a good question, Eric. Uh, I I do believe that some characters are now gonna have bigger roles than before. I think, okay. especially since they were part of the main cast prior to this. Uh, for example, um, Angela Sarah Fillion, um as Clementine, she seemed like she was a, uh, a you know a secondary character in a sense this year, even though she was a, in the the main cast. I think that was more because you know she was a robot that just kept on going over the loop and loop it over and over. But now that she's going to be, I guess, one of the robots that are out there, um, I think. I don't know. I, I think didn't they leave her shut down in the in the basement? No, because when when um, Ford remember Maeve says goodbye to her, right? But do you remember all the robots cleared out of the basement when Lee went to check them out? Well, they didn't show that room though. She was in another room. Uh, well, all right. Well, I'm thinking she she's one of them. I think she. No, well, she might be. We'll see. Yeah, and so I think she's going to be like a, a lieutenant to either Maeve or to Dolores, and I'm not sure which yet. So I think her character will move into the uh, as a main plot focus. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Mike may be right where Meeve. Yeah, go on, Eric. I, I was just going to say I don't think Meeve is going to be. I don't think her focus is going to be on the Civil War um, because the reason she got off that train was to go find her daughter. So Ford programmed her to start this whole thing. Uh, but now that she's on her own path, I don't think that's going to be her priority anymore. I think her priority is going to be getting to her daughter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But you know what? When she's out in the open, she's going to be forced to either fight humans or robots so or deal with them, right? Because, I mean, she's going back into the park. It, 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 yeah, it, it depends on how she chooses to approach it. Because right now she's dressed like a civilian. Yeah. Um I suppose uh, somebody who works at the park could recognize her as a host, uh, but she might also try pulling off. Uh, hey, I'm just a human that works here. Right, right. Because yeah, they've shown that the voice controls don't work on her anymore. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm very disappointed that we're not going to see Jimmy Simpson anymore because I thought his character, like I said, I, I thought he was the the, the star of the the ten seasons and ten. I, I think he did a really good job. Um, uh, but I think not seeing him anything anymore is the right way to go. Right. Well, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I am of the opinion that I am done with the past. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I have. I want to see where this storyline goes forward. I don't. Well, and, have, and really, that's where they've aligned everything to go. Right. I have no interest at all. Now, I could be wrong. There may be some really interesting shit that they want to tell us next season that had been 20 years ago. I don't know. I really hope not. And and if that's the case, I'm certainly willing to give it a shot. But it's not really where I, where I want them to be going at this point. And uh, I'll be fair to them, but really I just I'm just interested in what happens next. And there is a lot to expand in this world. And um you know that 
you know, that's part of the fact that this story was contained, right? It was contained to a couple of characters, it contained just to Westworld itself. And so there was some, there were some limits and there was value in going back and exploring the history. Well, we've right. got the history. We can fill in all the blanks. Now you can open up that world and go beyond and go to say, I don't know, maybe a samurai world. Oh, I forgot that's going to happen. Oh, that sucks. What do you mean that sucks? Well, that would be fucking sweet. Well, it's kind of cool, but uh, it opens swords, dude. Swords. Yeah, I know, but um, I, maybe, I don't know. maybe, well, maybe Phil, maybe the SW actually stood for Sexy World. <laughs> well, Spa, spa World. <laughs> well, I, I, I see how it could be cool, but. I would just love them to focus on on what we have now, and now they're just going to expand it, and it's going to be. Well, there's a couple things that um, that I think they need to hit on going forward, and honestly, it kind of pisses me off because it's not the part of the story I was really interested in. But they kind of got to explain um, what uh, is Charlotte her name, the board member. Yes, they need to explain what the fuck. Charlotte is up to. Uh, she may be dead. We, we need to understand. Think. Well, she might be dead, uh, but we need to understand why she was uploading everything into Peter Abernathy and where that information is going and why. Because um, she said that Westworld re- wasn't even part of the bigger picture uh, as far as the board was concerned. So they need to explain to us what the bigger picture is. That's a yep. fair point. Yeah, yeah. They need to, and again, now maybe, I don't know what, they have the first, the well, I don't want to say the first five years because I would imply there's a second five years. They have a five-year arc planned out. Yep. And there are a lot of dangling threads that were background threads. So as I said last week, if we stopped here, I would be fine with it. But now we're going forward. We need to see these background threads being pulled on a bit. Right. Now, some of these are planned for season three and season four and season five. Again, I'm okay with that, but let's, I, I do want to see some forward movement. And that means what's, what was the board's plan for the park or for the hosts? Um, what are the, some of the other worlds under the Delos umbrella? Um, what is going to happen? Now, for all we know, and, and were the reveries uploaded in the other worlds? Right. Are you going to get this similar problem in other places? It's going to be a full-on rebellion like it was in the movie. Uh, how many, right, there's 2,000 hosts in the park. How not, many hosts have... Not including, not including the samurais. Right, right just, just in Westworld, there's 2,000 hosts. And again, there's 1,400 guests. Um, so that's, a bad, that, that's a bad sign die. for the guests. Yes. Now, we know that Maeve has control over, or at least seem to have control over the guests, not the guests, the hosts... I don't know that um, Dolores does. No. Do e- does either one have the ability to liberate the host, or at least help them guide them through the maze? Can they do? Can they? Can they help take those ones that went nuts and got put in cold storage? Oh, maybe that'll be Dolores's role. She can be like a, a, a spirit guide for the hosts. She'll be their Yoda. Exactly. You have Who? much to learn. Who? Who's Dolores. Oh, a, a, a real boy you want to be. 
Um, you know, it, or, or, of the Maze, you must. Right, and and even then, I said, you know, there could be a rivalry with Maeve and Dolores. We don't even know if they're going to meet up, but there could also be an alliance because they have certain things in common, like, you know, being robots who got fucked over for the last 40 years. <laughs> um, uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eric, you do a damn good Yoda, my friend. Thank you. Yes. And, and by the way, the nice thing about doing a good Yoda is you can also do a good Grover. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. True, it's the same actor that does both of them. There you go. Right. <laughs> so I so can't think of anything Grover says off the top of my head. Now, now the question. So now there's a question of what's the purpose of Ed Harris now as the 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 owner of the park that would give them some leverage, right? As a hostage, yeah. maybe yeah. if 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 they're thinking that way. And my question is: there are three basic paths for this character. One is that he's a plot device. Two is that he is a tragic character, and three that he is a redemptive character. Right. Which way? Which way are they going to go with him? This what, what about, season was this season is clearly a tragic arc. What about just Duke in the park, like we discussed last year, last last episode? Duke well, people outside need to know what's happening first. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. One step at a time, Phil. Yeah, and yeah. then we and then and then we have the Elsie and uh, Thor's brother subplot, and I can still not remember his name. Oh, um, yeah. uh, Ashby Stubbs. Stubbs, right. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Spud, but that's not uh, Stubbs. I hope Elsie's still alive. Yeah, I would like Elsie. I, she's, awesome. Phil likes the hot. I like the cute. She's a cutie. Um, that's me. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure if she, you know, when she's she gets rid of the glasses and lows her hair down, I'm sure she's as hard as the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, well, she's that Hollywood nerdy. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a she's beauty not, queen with glasses and her hair up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what you need to be an actress. She's, she's all that. Yeah. Once she, yeah, but, once she but, takes down the yeah. takes down the hair, she becomes a model. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, oh sure. boy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, and so I mean, we could just assume they're both dead. Again, if the story ended here, we could assume they're both dead. But yeah, I doubt it. Well, I, I I would think Elsie is more apt to be dead than Stubbs because we actually see flashbacks where it looks like Elsie may have got her neck broken. Stubbs, we, we he just gets surrounded and 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 that's about it, right? I mean, we don't really know what happens to him. So there's a chance he may be more apt to be alive than Elsie. But either way, it's it'll be interesting to see where they go because what roles would either of them play if they are alive? Because, I mean... I think Elsie would be on board with the Rebellion. Uh, I, I, I mean, I... I Does she well, get to kiss, kiss Clementine again? <laughs> It, you know what? If if she's able to take Clementine in her arms, then she'll be on with, in with the rebellion. You damn right. <laughs> Based off of the first episode or whatever it was, but um, I think she. But you know, based off of a lot of things she says, where she just wants the bigger office and all that, she seems like she may not be for it. But either way, she. Well, there was that one scene though, like one of the very last interactions she had in person with uh, Bernard. Uh, she was talking about how somebody had plans and somebody wasn't telling her what was going on. Um, and, uh, and Bernard said something to her along the lines of, um, 
the hosts don't come up with ideas you do. But clearly that statement was subterfuge. Right. So anyway, yeah. I would love to see LC come back. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I want it to. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Especially uh, losing the glasses and lowering her hair down. Oh, goodness, Phil. You and your <laughs> stereotypes. Uh, what are you going to do? Well, actually, it's not me. It's it's Hollywood because they hired her. You know, it's, it's like... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, By the is. way, I have our outro song. Uh, so when we wrap this up, you're going to have to bear with me for a few minutes while I play it out. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Mike, what about yourself? Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know if you've said your. Well, I don't know what I think. I mean, again, I said what I want to happen. What I want to hap- see happen is what is see this go forward. I'd like to see um, exploration of what happens with Maeve and and Dolores, uh, and really what happens with uh, Dolores's father out in the real world. And I want to see a glimpse of the larger world. I don't necessarily want to go completely future world yet um but i want a sense of what's because we don't know at this point how far in the future this is uh and even uh elizabeth catherine gray had suggested when i talked about how elizabeth catherine uh, gray uh podcaster of uh archivist bed on sexy witches just finished up their second season uh and they talk a little bit if you go to their latest episode about the things they liked about 2016 they do quite a bit of talking about Westworld. Uh, but I said where I think, I think, and we don't even know this, this is how limited our information is. I get the sense that Westworld is an enclosed environment, which is why it's, you know, you can control every last thing, including, you know, uh, you know, the animals that are there. Yeah. Like, like the, the hunger games or, or Truman show or something like that. Right. And, yeah. and she even suggested, you know, well, could it be another planet? I don't think, no, that that was a serious prediction on her part, but, you yeah, know, because really I, I did. I threw out, out there that the place is on Mars. I threw out uh, Dark City, right? Yeah, that 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 idea. Now I think that's probably too far out there. That would be my guess. But you know, we that's how little we really know about the world right now. Yep. You know, I, the the one contact we had with the outside world in this episode that we saw was Jeffrey Wright calling his ex-wife and that was and probably we don't fake know that really i was gonna say we don't even know that really happened right, well exactly we did, we did see 30 something years ago williams fiance in a city a picture one picture right right <laughs> one here another so, funny thing so, I picked up from so the there podcast, are cities that picture the actual photograph that they used is, is stock art <laughs> yes it is <laughs> the, the, the the model was surprised to find herself on westworld they just paid for the stock photo rather <laughs> than serious? Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just you know hire the you know the the wife of of the third grip and take a picture of her in front of the city or something. I mean, all they had to do was do that. Why would yeah. they take stock when they could just grab a and, photo from? Well, the, when you think about it, she's dead. Well, the the, the character, yeah. so they don't have to cast an actress to it. And yeah, yeah I don't know that, that that was just the easiest way for them to go about it. But yeah, no, we it's don't funny. we don't know if the character's dead, do we? No, well, yeah, he says his true. wife died. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, Mike. Yeah. Unless, of course, she was a host. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So technically, technically, that actress, I mean, that person in the stock photo could get a role in the park because she could be a robot. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Tell so, us well, what about you? What are your predictions? Um, my prediction is, is that obviously there's going to be a rebellion. Um, I think 
it's it's definitely completely different than I thought because originally I thought Ford was going to um, uh, enter the park and surround the robots around him against the the humans. So that ain't going to happen. So what it is, it's going to be Doris is going to do the rebellion. Um, I think Meve is going to turn to the human side or at least turn into the 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 I guess the less reactionary side and may actually form an army against Dolores. So really? interesting is, yeah, that's what I think. So I think there's going to be two, the two lead warriors are going to be females. So there's going to be the Dolores and the Meave side. Um, and I think they're going to gray everything because they're going to show a lot of perspectives um, on Dolores. Well, that's kind of what this show is about, is the gray area. But what? But you know what? They may not, too, because if they show Dolores arbitrarily lining people up against the wall and shooting them, like, you know, the Soviets did or whatever, then we obviously they're purposely going to make her someone we hate, but they may make her show, talk about how what they've done to us and in the past, and we got to go for, you know, so I don't know what they're going to do with how that, but I honestly believe there's going to be a war between two robot sides and then there's going to be a human side involved too and I also think they're going to possibly do a group of human survivors you know like four or five or seven people or whatever in the middle of the park that may include Ed Harris's character and maybe even Charlotte's character um, trying to survive in the wilderness to, and figure a way to get the hell out Okay. Uh, I think that's where they may go as well. I could buy that part. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my at least prediction. I mean, it's probably going to be way off, but I mean, it's good as any, I guess. Right. Um, anything else? I'm ready to put a bow on this. How about you, Mike? I'm ready to go. All right. So uh, that means uh, we won't be back until 2018. Uh, for this podcast, most likely just for the fact that that's when season two is supposed to come out, uh, specifically stated by Jonathan Nolan, the showrunner himself. Um, and that was most likely for the fact that they weren't even sure if the show was going to be a success or not. So um, obviously, um, I think that's the main reason, not because of anything else. Because if they knew the show was going to be successful, I think they would have been prepared to have a, another fall release uh, next year. And uh, uh, yeah, and. <laughs> It was and, uh, and, and, so that's another thing, right? It was cost 120 million, I guess, for the 10 episodes. So that's another reason why they weren't going to prepare to say there was a season two until they made sure it was a success. But go on, Mike. I was going to say, and let me say this, by the way, if, uh, when, when we do come back and I, I, I'm hoping we do, you know, anything can happen in, in a year and a half. Um, I want to thank everybody who's listened to the podcast and especially those who have stuck with us the entire time. God knows why. Um, and, we really hope you'll be listening again in 2018, assuming we all survive to get to that point. That's right. That's right. And uh, that doesn't mean we're off the air, though, because, uh, as Eric mentioned earlier, we do have a weekly podcast that doesn't take any hiatus, uh, a new episode every week, all 52 weeks of the year, of uh, the Dark Discussions podcast. Even if you're not a fan necessarily of the various films we discuss, we basically discuss a genre of films, science fiction, horror, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, exploitation, whatnot. Um if you're uh, at least enjoy our perspective of Westworld, you may be, uh, enjoy our perspective of 
the various movies we discuss. So you can always hear us every week uh, on Dark Discussions podcast found both on Stitcher and iTunes as well as darkdiscussions.com. And then, of course, in uh, 25 weeks from now, we will also have uh, Game of Thrones podcast, uh, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, which uh, we'll discuss uh, that season as well. So uh, we may be off this episode or on hiatus of this show, but we are not gone because we still have weekly episodes of Dark Discussions. Right, and, and keep an ear out for our third spinoff podcast as we look at the second season of Fuller House. Oh, fuck off. I'm not doing that. Yeah, that, that, that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah. are some things that are just too horrific, even for us. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I I gave it a shot, and 20 minutes in, I said, "I that's what I'm done." Or he 10. gave it a shot. That's more than I gave it. Yeah, yeah. So, what are you going to do? Um, all right. So, uh, thanks for listening for the the. 12 episodes that we did of this um, and hopefully we'll hear or I should say uh, have you folks listen to the Doc Discussions podcast and we always want email and whatnot so um, docdiscussions at AOL.com um, now uh, Eric I guess with all that stated I guess we you can lead us out alright thanks for staying with us as we talked about season 1 of Westworld we've enjoyed hosting this show for you and we hope you listen to us on our other podcasts and be sure to come back in 2018 for us to continue talking about Westworld. Yeah.